so wonderful. Um, thank you, Lael. She's always saying thank you to us, but really. So I have a story, an ancient story, that I'd like to share with you, uh, told by a Native American grandmother at a funeral about a fox who fell in love with a star. He said, oh, star, I love you so. I love you so. I just want to come and be with you in the sky. And she said, oh, oh, I love you too, but I am a star, and we dance forever. That's what we do. You, fox, are an earthly being, and you won't be able to continue. You're not a star. And he said, but, but no, but I, but I love you so. I, and he begged, and he pleaded. And eventually, over a long time, she eventually said, oh, yes, I love you too, and so come, come up and live with me. I will bring you up. And there, you should know that eventually there will be a cost. And he said, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I love you. I love you so much. I just want to be with you. And so they came into the sky, and they danced, and they danced, and they loved each other, and they danced. And eventually, he said, I, I, I'm very tired. I have to, I have to rest. I have, I have to just rest just for a little while. I just, just let me rest for a little while. And I, I'll be OK, and then I'll be able to come back up and be with you, my love. And she said, yeah, well, as we said, there, were, there would be a cost, and there is only one way down. And so she drew her lightsaber, and she lopped off his tail, and boom, landed on the ground. And then a leg, boom, landed on the ground, until all of his pieces lay spread across the land. And the grandmother, who was telling this story to the grandchildren at the funeral, said, you, you might be wondering now why I'm telling you this story at a funeral. She said, because life is hard sometimes. And what we need to do is what this story tells us. We need to remember ourselves. We need to learn how to put all of our pieces back together when it's hard. And we know, we in our Native American culture, as she was, we know that there are two things that we need to give our grandchildren so that they can do that, they can remember themselves. One is that they need to know who they are. And the second is that they need to know where they came from. This story has been resonating with me for 20 years. I know that part of the path of my life is to do those things, to know who I am and to know where I came from. My parents instilled that in me uh, and supported me in making that happen. And it has helped me, that rootedness has helped me in times in my life that were hard. And sort of set me on a journey. Uh, I 
didn't necessarily know all the time that it was my journey. I knew there were pieces and parts and stories and magnificent connections with family in Norway and walking among the standing stones in Scotland and finding out that my DNA, 75% Orkney Isles, 60 miles across the water from Norway. And I, I love that about knowing that about my life. And my mother, before she passed away, said to me, <laughs> you, she and her sisters had gone on a genealogical trek and uh, found, even though she was a Midwesterner, uh, found her family here in Down East Maine. One of her lines, anyway. And she said, and it went cold too quickly. I want you to pick that up. I know that you need to pick that up. Find it. She insisted. And so one day, when the wife and I were in, we were coming back from vacation in Nova Scotia, I said, you know, there's this little town, and I think maybe there's a family name in the cemetery. I just thought, I just feel it. I just feel it. I just need, I think we need to stop. So we had a little extra time. We thought we we're going to do that. We got lost three times on the way. We're like, wait, 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 no, we're gonna, okay, it's getting late, we don't have a place to stay. We're gonna like just go home, right? We're just gonna give this up. But instead, three times we were turned around and came back to that little town. It's very rural. There is no place to stay. She's like, I, we need a place, okay? And there was, of course, the one B&B. &B. We walked in and I told this man what we were doing there and he said, Welcome home. And when the shivers calmed down, I said, what do you mean? Well, not only is my wife related to you, but she's the local historian and she's written two books about the family. <laughs> and so tomorrow I'm going to take you out on a tour of the town. St. John River is there. It's beautiful. It's just lushly green and gorgeous. He said, I'm going to show you the cemetery where those names that you were looking for are. And I'm going to show you the homestead. And they came in 1750, the French Huguenot, who is your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And his brother came up to St. John because they had been in our Revolutionary War, even though they were French Huguenots. And I said, wait, no, see, you're telling me that they came up the river in the middle of the winter. This be Frenchman <laughs> living in a fairly moderate climate in February in 1750. How in the hell did they ever not die? Why was that possible? He said, that's right. You got it. You will never see the photograph of the native woman who was with them and saved their lives. You will never see that in the, in the book. And so the weight <laughs> came on to me. Uh, while I love my connections, my ancestral connections, and I believe that I have ancestors that I sort of carry around with me on a regular basis. And they speak to me and guide me. And that day they were helping me to see that that land that was given out by a soldier to my great-great-great-something-great-grandfather was not theirs to give. Um, 
was the territory of Micmacs and Maliseet and Penobscot and Passamaquoddy. Was their territory was where they lived. And it was my ancestors who contributed to the decimation of those tribes. It hurts me a lot. I work with folks in the tribes. And I know that I have to own that. And the first layer is for the anger and the rage and the shame to be fierce. And know that I have to find some balance to that. And try to balance out my family's role in that colonization. This to me is evidence, this terrible tragedy that happens again and again and again in our history. Uh, is, uh, it helps us to understand the wasteland that has been created by patriarchal structures over thousands of years. The violence, the raping and the pillaging, the taking of everything, and war, all need some feminine washing out, clearing up, changing over. So the author, Sharon Blackie, wrote this book called If Women Rose Rooted. I love every word. I said to Leo, I think I was, in some other life I wrote every word of that. <laughs> every single word was just gripping me. Um, but she challenges us to think about what would it be like to have a matriarchal culture. You know, 5,000 years has gone by. It was all patriarchal. But before that, there were women-centered cultures. Women-centered with women being believed, being the power, being given unlimited and unrestricted power in their cultures. And I believe that things were different. And she challenges us to figure out if, what would it be like to bring that into our modern day structures. It would of course be dangerous, <laughs> to say the least, uh, heretical. <clears throat> But if we could do that, if we could bring the ancient stories the way our native sisters have managed to carry on, I think it's possible that we could, over time, bring a more balanced culture that is infused with compassion and alternatives to violence And while I don't have any magic wand to make that happen, I know that my next steps are to work to empower women as the best that we can, 
and go back and reach those stories, bring them forward into modern day and start to create a picture. I want stories that I can tell my grandchildren that are ours and all of yours as well. That's it.